The purpose of Retire with Style is to help you discover the retirement income plan that is right for you. The first step is to discover your retirement income personality. Start by going to resaprofile.com style and sign up to take the industry's first financial personality tool for retirement planning. What are fixed income annuities made of? A dash of income, a sprinkle of principal protection, a dollop of upside potential, and a contract. Hey everyone, welcome to Retire With Style. I'm Alex, and a house with a house full of, I don't know, 10 kids under the age of 10. And my colleague Wade is from, where are you calling from Wade exactly? I'm in Tokyo, Japan, right next to a train line. Although I guess my microphone does not pick up the very loud trains going by. It's, it's probably your microphone. Does. It's, it's probably <laughs> the frequencies where high distinct chatter, you know, is caught up on mine. But that's that's how we roll in this in this podcast. It's one take or nothing. That's everyone knows. <laughs> now, now, wait. I must say though, your uh, kids got in the mix of retire with style with that wonderful uh, intro. To one of the previous episodes how, how did you corral them to do that yeah no my my daughter her job dream is to become a marketer so it's she's getting in practice making those videos for the linkedin to introduce some of the podcasts it, maybe reduce your workload a little bit at some point she's it, <laughs> she hasn't made another one that was a couple episodes ago now well no i'm you, sure there'll be more you, you up the ante <laughs> i showed them to my kids and they were like we got to come back we got to do another one <laughs> Yeah, she likes doing that. It's all about the video editing. You got you got Jake on There's it, but you got Jake on that one as well. But what, what happened to your older kid, Joe? You couldn't you couldn't get him on it. Yeah, my my oldest is about the same age as your boys, but he he's not as interested in appearing on screen like the younger ones. <laughs> I just forced mine. They got no other choice. If they want to eat, they gotta <laughs> they gotta contribute, right? They gotta make videos. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna send them over to intentionally for the for the summer for an internship where they're going to be, gotta be an intern. yeah yeah they're going to try their hand on the, on the marketing hand uh we, we got some ideas well, what it is is I, I don't know if i told you but you know there we get tons of reviews right and so i recorded my mom's reactions on a bunch of these reviews and so i'm gonna have the kids put put some of those together and we'll, we'll see what happens right <laughs> be interesting yeah yeah that's kids these days are good at editing content. oh no no they're they're amazing <laughs> But uh, so what's on tap for today other than it's the world of fixed index annuities, right? That's right. Yeah, we're, we're moving the conversation into fixed index annuities. And if you downloaded last week's episode quickly, you might have seen a description for not last week's episode, but the one we're actually recording now. Uh, we had recorded the last few all at one time before I went to Japan. Uh, we realized we miscounted. By the time this episode plays, I'll be back home. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, We are recording. Yeah, yeah, that was my fault. <laughs> that, that was that was the fog of retire with style. Uh, we we try to batch a bunch of these simply because Wade's going away and I was going away, so we try to get a bunch of them in. And I forgot that the variable annuities we split it into two. So yeah, I had I had actually Nori on LinkedIn. Nori's my niece, who's like four. She did a video. Uh, but I had to cut it off on LinkedIn and we'll do another entry. You'll see her next week. It's pretty <laughs> cool. So, uh, her name means seaweed. Yeah, right? Well, you know, when we're going to, she's salty <laughs> at times. What can I say? <laughs> so, uh, to see yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's good. It's good. So, fixed index annuity since, what did you say? I'll be doing most of the talking in this episode. That's right. <laughs> you, you're starting off the show because you're, you're going to give us a, dissertation on the inner workings of fixed yes index the mechanics along for the right yes the 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 the, 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 the amino acids of the protected income world no uh, so alex what do you know about fixed index annuities? i know that you're going to talk about them <laughs> for the next episode <laughs> so that's what i know no but uh, why don't we start us off wait why don't you kick it off okay sure yeah and and so well, we're going through these classes to review just what we've been doing the past few episodes. 
we talked about a type of fixed annuity before, the income annuity, single premium immediate annuity or a deferred income annuity, the characteristic of which was you annuitize those contracts and that what's, that's what makes them irreversible. Then we moved into the world of deferred annuities uh, where you're not annuitizing the contract, but you might still get lifetime income with a living benefit. The first example we talked about was the variable annuity. And so the last two episodes were about deferred variable annuities, uh, mostly with living benefits so that you have a lifetime income. Now we're moving into back into fixed annuities again, but these are deferred fixed annuities. They're not annuitizing the contract or we're not annuitizing the contract here. We can get the lifetime income with the living benefit, but a fixed index annuity is a type of deferred fixed annuity where the index is, you're going to be credited. The The term used for the return on these, like what is my return on a fixed index annuity? It's technically called crediting interest. Uh, it, the uh, interest that you're accredited would be linked to the performance of an external market index, such as the S&P 500. Uh, but there's many other options we can talk more about. There's a lot of low volatility type indices, which generally will give you more upside exposure. We'll we'll dig into the whole process yeah, of how that, that works in the episode. That's even becoming a cottage <laughs> industry, the sort of the, the indices. Right. And uh, no joke, it, it really is. But even before we get to this, just because you, you, when you were talking, you reminded me of a couple of, of questions we've been getting. This has been a series that I... I'm sure somebody's done this and given this as, given it its proper treatment, but we've gotten great reviews in terms of just you know going through this slowly and the like. But we still get questions. We realize there's a lot of like English nonconformity words that are kind of used in this, <laughs> and so we realize it can and will get confusing. And so what we're going to be doing as well in this trajectory is just also having some simple use cases. It's one of these that we're just really trying to lay down the foundation right now. And it, it just takes a while. I mean, we don't want to do it in two minutes. We don't want to do it in two episodes. It, it just takes a while because then you could use this as a resource for yourself. But we will be, uh, you know, really breaking it down in in use case terms so you can answer the questions. Okay, I have this amount of money. What exactly do I do if I go in this direction or that direction? So bear with us. We, we will get to that. But again, we just how do you dig a 10-foot hole? You dig, right? And so we got we to gotta just do this process right now. Yeah, yeah. We're first talking about how these annuities work, but then we'll continue this arc and we'll get into how to choose an annuity or how to apply an annuity into a financial plan and so forth. And we'll continue with the series because uh, since recording that last batch of episodes, we talked about we weren't sure what the next episode was going to be about. That's where we now have the side series going. If you want to mention that, Alex, in terms of we're talking to financial advisors and rather than breaking up the annuity arc to do that, there's bonus episodes uh, at the end of each week now that uh, are, that's where we can now continue with the uh, uh, annuity arc in its entirety. That, that's great. And so wait, what are some general features that you have for the fixed index annuities as we begin this process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so to just get our juices going here with, yeah. with the annuity world, it's the, these are deferred annuities. So they have a lot of the same features as variable, deferred variable annuities. And that's, like I said, you're not annuitizing the contract. So you do have a contract value that's liquid. If you want to get it all back in the early years of the contract, there may be a surrender charge that would take away some of that. There may be some other market value adjustments that are just, if interest rates go up, you might want to get your money out so you could buy a new contract with better terms. Uh, but just like with bonds, the, the underlying contract value would be worth less in a fixed income world. So there could be adjustments, but generally you have access to the underlying funds. The big difference from the variable annuity is a fixed index annuity. And this is because it's fixed. It has principal protection. You can't lose money on the contract value if the external index is the S&P 500 and the S&P 500 is down 40%. Uh, you would not lose anything. You cannot uh, have less than a 0% credited interest. There may even be an underlying positive real rate of return that you're entitled to over time. But you have that principal protection and we'll explain why that is when we talk about how these work. And just like with the variable annuity as well, if you're using these for lifetime income, you simply can add an optional guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit. 
that would provide that sort of lifetime income protection. But you might be more likely to use these as well as an alternative to just having bonds because they have this principal protection. They have tax deferral. They have that liquidity we talked about. And they may be on an after-tax basis, especially competitive with the types of returns you could expect from other bond holdings in your portfolio. Well, it, Even though these are linked to a, a stock index, usually, uh, you wouldn't really treat these as an alternative to holding stocks or as a, sometimes in a very simple marketing language, the fixed index annuity is claimed to give you the upside of the stock market without the risk of the stock market. And that's not the case. Uh, what we're really talking about is these might perform well compared to other bond holdings. And that's how they should be. And again, this goes back to even the first words out of our mouth when we started this arc, which is still view this within the concept of a construct of an insurance sort of solution. But there is some upside here, simply because they are pegged to indices. But it's not an apples to apples index comparison either. But you know, to Wade's point, they could be seen as potentially fixed income options, if you will. I would say weighted. Still, sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. I would say I was introducing that. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, now, in addition to these things, I, I would say simply because these have been popular for for the better part of a, of a long time. Let me say it. I, why do you think they? What 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 do you think they do from a behavioral standpoint? That that kind of is also makes them intriguing as opposed to just the straight up financial planning piece. Well, a big part of the conversation around annuities is to talk about how they can increase your risk capacity so that if you have this protected income, you don't have to be worried as worried about stock market downturns. And for your other assets, that might make you more comfortable investing more aggressively. Now, uh, with the fixed index annuity, it has a principal protection. So 2022 is a good reminder. Stocks and bonds both experienced double-digit losses. Well, a fixed index annuity would accredit you with a zero percent if you had, <laughs> if your anniversary date was like the January first, twenty twenty-two through the end of twenty twenty-two, you would have had a zero percent credited interest. You are not exposed to the double-digit losses of stocks or bonds if you had linked to a stock market index like the S and P five hundred, and because of that, that it's a bonds have interest rate risk. You can lose on bonds. If, if you had the fixed index annuity behaviorally, you might have felt more comfortable investing other assets and stocks because you did have that principal protection in place. And so that would be one of the big behavioral uh, potential benefits you'd see with <laughs> replacing bonds with a fixed index annuity and then being able to feel more comfortable investing other assets more aggressively. Is that what you were hoping I was going to say there, Alex? Yes, 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 yes. I can only, one can only, one can only dream. <laughs> no, I, I would add to this the the seeing this on the on the balance sheet as well, able to see the assets on the balance sheet. It's a nice little. Oh, I see what slide you're on. Okay. <laughs> wow, I think that's a good yeah, one I, as well. I glossed over that. No, slide. no, no. Let's bring it back. Yeah, bring yeah. it back. Bring it back, big guy. <laughs> no, I think that's actually pretty okay, good. The other be- <laughs> Yeah, the other behavioral benefit is, and that's compared to an immediate annuity, like a a single premium immediate annuity or deferred income annuity. Sometimes people aren't comfortable with those because the asset disappears. You pay the premium, you get a monthly income for the rest of your life, but you might feel poorer because when you look at your portfolio statements, the present value of your income annuity doesn't show up. That's not the case with a fixed index annuity. You're not, quote unquote, sacrificing the asset. And I do see that was the answer you were fishing for when you asked that question. And by the way, uh, what do you mean by slides? I don't know what you're talking about. This is off from the top of my head. (laughs) This is off from the top of my head. So I have no idea what what you're talking about. So so moving on, though, there are some, you know what I thought of? Remember Wayne's World? Wayne's World, Wayne's World, that kind of thing. I, you know, we, you know, we should move into some vocabulary. And I thought, man, it'd be awesome if we had a little jingo that it was like Wade's words, Wade's words. <laughs> yeah, right. As we go into right. this, what, what are some vocab items for people to know? Because we're going to be using this throughout that they can kind of like love us or hate us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So time for the the word of the day. Words well, of the day. Interest crediting method. <laughs> yes, the the interest crediting method I, I mentioned briefly, but we'll dig into that. It's 
the, the term used to identify the returns you're getting from a fixed index annuity. These are insurance. They're, they're not investments, but they do credit interest. Uh, and that's where that interest can be competitive with other fixed income assets. Most of the other vocabulary relates to the lifetime income benefits, which uh, Alex has called an audible. We may save that conversation to the next episode to split these up a little more, but we'll, we'll talk about guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefits uh, and then how, how those work. So there could be, instead of having the benefit base and roll-up rate that we talked about with the variable annuity, we'll talk about in the context of a deferral credits where just simply your payout rate increases for each year that you defer the start of income. These do have the contract value, just like a deferred variable annuity, because they're deferred annuities. Uh, you may have step-up opportunities, although generally with the principal protection, uh, you don't have the issue where the benefit base would be a lot higher than the contract value, but that could exist. And then also the uh, guaranteed withdrawal rates on a living benefit that would support a level of lifetime income. But that living benefit conversation will probably will push more to the next episode. This episode will focus more on really a whole episode about interest crediting methods. How do these things credit interest? How, do, how does it fundamentally work? But I, I think that's important because that, I think that's when, when people are pitched these or when they're presented these, you know, you want to make sure that that's understood, you know, on many angles. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so again, it's the returns from a fixed index annuity or the, the technical term is interest crediting. And they could offer a fixed interest rate. It, and then it's really just a deferred fixed annuity or even a MIGA. If you're picking a fixed index annuity, but choose the fixed rate option, it could be 2%, 3%, whatever the case may be, you would get a fixed interest credited for that term. The term may be a year, could be two or three years, could be six years. Uh, but for that term, you're going to be receiving a fixed credited interest rate. Or the, the whole reason you probably are looking at a fixed index annuity instead of a deferred fixed annuity that just does offer a fixed interest rate, you're wow. going to link these to an external index. We said the S&P 500 is, is the most common. There could be other international indices. Uh, it could be. And then there's, is, there's a whole cottage industry of creating indices, to, which... When we talk about complexity and lack of transparency and so forth, if you're looking at a fixed index annuity with a bespoke type index created only by that company, you're not going to be able to comparison shop that against other options. And so (laughs) that may be where there's some lack of transparency. But if you really want to get a sense of, is this fixed index annuity competitive with others? The S&P 500 would be the most common index used. And there, you don't have, you can really, there's a lot of competition. You can compare different companies' fixed index annuity offerings and so forth, just focusing on something like the the S&P 500. Because we'll talk about how these work, and it's the volatility of the index has a big impact. So the more volatile the index, the more expensive it is to provide protection against downturns with that index and the less upside potential you'd be able to have. So that that's why a low volatility index may be used because it gives you higher caps or higher potential credited interest. That's why they're doing it. So that p- people focus on, oh, this one has a higher cap. Okay, great. But that's because it's linked to a, a less volatile index. Yeah, Ed- With the S&P 500, you can compare this stuff. With other <laughs> bespoke type indices, you can't really make easy so, Something I would, I, would, I would add to this, just because I, I think you said it at the beginning, but uh, it, it's, it's based on an index, but it's not investing in the index. And the whole dividends right. and, and maybe this gets into the pricing. Maybe this opens up the whole conversation into the pricing because- they're based on the options budget, and then options have their own set of parameters of how those are priced. Which, incidentally, we did a LinkedIn Live uh, two weeks ago with uh, Michael Finke, me and him, and uh, he brought up the, the Scholes sort of uh, equation and all of that. Black yeah, yeah, and it made me think of where, where this could go. But I'll leave it at that. If you can just, you know, maybe open it up in that way. Like it's it's an index, but it's not index in the way that you think. Even though if it's even though it's the S and P five hundred. Well, you generally can't invest in a market index, but some of the index funds uh, come very close to (laughs) offering the same return that the market index provides. But in this case, 
the insurance company is not buying the underlying index or they're not buying like an index fund tracking that index. It's based on financial derivatives. And we'll, we'll talk about that. They're, they're going to buy call options that give exposure to growth of that index. But because it's all based on, on financial derivatives rather than purchasing the underlying index, financial derivatives generally don't pay dividends. It's looking only at the price returns, not the total return, which is the price return would be like any capital gains. So the total return is your price return plus cash flows like dividends. Uh, you're not getting the total return of the index. You're getting the price return of the index. And that's simply because the insurance company is not buying the underlying uh, index fund. They are purchasing financial derivatives that make a payoff based on the index performance, which is only based on the price returns, not the dividends. And that's so commonly uh, people who are, they got the gotcha. <laughs> There's a lot of quote unquote gotchas about fixed index annuities. One of them is, oh, but they don't pay you the dividends. Yes, that's true. And but, hopefully any marketing literature that you're reading is not implying that you but, would be receiving. Yeah, the but again, it, they don't pay you the dividends not because they're they're usury or whatever and they don't want to pay the dividends. It's, it's more <laughs> yeah. that it's based the only way they could offer the the price dynamics or the income dynamics that you're getting at is for them to use options to do so. And options that it's, <laughs> it just doesn't happen with options. But that's why also you can you can cap the downside and things along those lines because of how they're creating those returns. Yeah, and, and right now the dividend yield on the S&P 500 is, is in the ballpark of 2%. So maybe getting back to provide simple examples, say in a given year, the total return on the S&P 500 was 10%. 2% of that was dividends. 8% was the, the price return or the capital gains we would be looking at that 8% number, not the 10% number when we're determining your accredited interest with the fixed index annuity. Are you a financial professional looking to learn more about the RISA and retirement income best practices? Well, if you are, you should join our retirement income masterclass on Monday, August 28th and Tuesday, August 29th. You can sign up at risaprofile.com slash advisors. That's risaprofile.com slash advisors. Okay. Uh, the other aspect of these is fixed index annuities. Again, to emphasize, because the term fixed is in the name, they have principal protection. And, and this is all about, we're really going to now explain why <laughs> they have principal protection. Uh, and it's you're not exposed to losses. If it's linked to the S&P 500 and the S&P 500 is down 40%, you're not experiencing any 40% loss. You would get a 0% credited interest for that term. And that's an important aspect of not having to be worried about those losses. Now, of course, in exchange for that, you're not going to get the full upside of the market either. But that's what we're really going to be explaining now. Okay. Shall so I go, shall I go that, first? <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> You're on a roll, Wade. I, I, I don't want to do continue. <laughs> well, let, let's yeah. Let's also talk about how fees work first, and then we'll we'll explore the dynamics of the uh, interest crediting. So another quote unquote gotcha about the fixed index annuity would be this idea that often they're marketed as no fees, and then of of course nothing is free. <laughs> so of course the idea of quote unquote no fees is a bit of a marketing gimmick. But these are spread products. It's like a checking account. The uh, insurance company, when they invest the underlying funds from your premium, they will earn more than they pay you. And, and so there's an internal spread, just like a checking account. The uh, bank does not, they're going to be earning more interest than what they're paying on the checking account rate and so forth. That's the idea behind how fixed index annuities work. But when they when we say they don't have fees, that's in comparison to variable annuities, there's no underlying funds. It's like, <laughs> because you're, they're not buying the stock market index. So there's no underlying fund that they're buying. So no fund expenses and also no mortality and expense charges, unlike variable annuities. So these are similar. That's where the idea. So these are similar then <laughs> to, in, in, and from, from a spread product pricing standpoint, this is like a SPIA and a DIA in, in, in that sense. They're not like variable annuities because mm -hmm. variable annuities, remember they, remember they have underlying investment pools. 
And so you're paying for the quote unquote investment management of those in addition to other fees, but you can kind of see it line item for that. Here, to Wade's point, it's it's an underlying index, but it's not even an index like the S&P 500. It's an option based on, on the index. So it's really how much can they price and buy the option for relative to the return they can provide. And part of the return that they're not providing is what they use to fund themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's where the fees come in in terms of an internal spread there, where just they're going to keep part of the, the interest they're earning and they're going to use the rest to buy those financial derivatives. Now, they, that being said, there could be some fees. There could be surrender charges in the early years of the contract. Though in many cases, if you're going to be a long-term holder of a fixed index annuity, you might prefer a contract with higher surrender charges because really what that's doing is is getting at the idea of they want to buy long-term bonds. <laughs> and if people can just get out of the contracts early on, that hurt that damages all the other holders of these contracts. So by having a higher surrender charge schedule, that may allow them to buy less liquid, longer maturity type assets that can provide a higher yield. And so you might find better terms on contracts that have higher surrender charges. Now that being said, if you do need to get your money out sooner and you exceed, usually there'd be like a 10% free withdrawal amount before the surrender charges are applied. So if you need more liquidity than that, you'd be hit by a surrender charge. And I guess to give a concrete example, let's just make one up where the first 10 years after you purchase it could be a sliding scale. If you take out too much in year one, 10% surrender charge, and year two, 9%, and year three, 8%, and so on and so on and so on until once you get to year 10, there's no more surrender charges. But by having those, you may be able to get better terms because it allows the insurance company to invest with a, a longer term, less liquid type of perspective to get those premiums from those types of assets and therefore uh, provide a higher yield to the owner. Wait, what, what, what if somebody would say that and, also includes yeah. the commission paid out to the person? Hence, the, that's part of the surrender charge. Or is that not relevant? Right, right. And also... Yes, there's large upfront expenses the insurance company faces when they issue the contract. One of those would be a commission to the agent who sold the contract. Uh, And yes, the surrender charges were meant to also recover what they paid out as a commission because they're not otherwise able to earn it from that spread if you're getting out of the contract too early. Uh, So the other point about that and, and just The other type of charge is if you do want an optional benefit, living benefit for lifetime income, that would be a charge as well, but that's optional and that would provide, that's not a profit center for the insurance company. That's going to be used to provide uh, the ability to (laughs) ensure that you will receive that lifetime income. Then if you are looking at a fee only annuity, that's where, because they don't pay commissions, it reduces some of those internal expenses for the insurance company, and that can translate into uh, less or no surrender charges, as well as less of an internal spread being taken out, which may give you more upside. A simple example of that is, I was recently looking at a type of annuity, an index annuity that if you bought the commission version, the current cap was an eight and eight and a half percent if you bought the uh, fee-only version that did not pay the commission to the agent, uh, the uh, the cap was 9.5% instead of 8.5%. So that would be an example of by stripping out the commissions, you can potentially get better terms on the contract to the owner yeah, of the contract. Yeah, that was over 10%. <laughs> yeah, you're right, 8.5% up to 9.5%. Well, so that's just where then if the market had been up, uh, 20% for the year, you'd be, get to be credited with 9.5% instead of 8.5%. And that's Okay. Scenario. And so since you mentioned mm-hmm. the market up, maybe it's a good time to get into that uh, crediting method? Mm-hmm. Yes. And there's dozens or probably dozens, not even the right, there's scores <laughs> or <laughs> even hundreds of <laughs> a, a myriad, <laughs> scores a and scores and four score <laughs> an, and seven an crediting methods ago. But uh We'll just mainly focus on the most common and most simple type of crediting method. And that would be 
we'll describe it as with one year terms, but it could that that you can change yeah. easily three year terms, six year terms. But we'll say one year term point to point crediting method with an annual reset. It's a more common method, so there is more competition on the pricing. The point to point is you look at the uh, over the one year term, the uh, start and end of the term. How did the price return for that index change over that term? So if I bought the index on a particular date and say the index value was a thousand on that date, I now one year later, what's the the index value? Not including the dividends, so just the uh, index value. Is it if a thousand on day one? Was it a thousand and fifty? at the end of the year? Was it 950 at the end of the year? You're going to be looking at the change in the index value on that point-to-point -point basis. So from the start to the end of the term. And we're using a year as an example for the term. And then the uh, annual reset is you get to start fresh every new term. If the market was down 40%, you're not stuck with having to gain that back before you get more interest. You would have been credited with 0% for that year and then you'll get to start fresh for the, the following year. And, and, and again, there's not dividends. I guess I already mentioned that, but you're not, it's just based on the price returns, uh, annual reset, every year start fresh, looking at the change in the index. Yeah, and so term. from that, just remember, you'll be looking at the number. The S&P was at whatever, and that's what it ended up. Uh, disabuse yourself from looking at headlines that say the S&P returned 10%, because it's going to be, a little less than that. It's always going to be, you know, less than that because of the, the dividend issue. Yeah, yeah. Usually you'd see numbers quoted with the total returns that yeah. include dividends. But if you're just looking at like Yahoo Finance or something, uh, those would probably be price returns. They just show the index coming out as a cash. I mean, the, no, the I, dividend coming out as a and cash. Now, wait, for, for folks that were listening, okay. how, how do you? They're thinking, because we did this in the last, in, I don't know, the last one, but we did it when we were talking about the SPIAs and the like, of doing it yourself. I mean, what, what are they making? Not about saying they should do it themselves. This it, this is even more complicated than, than the SPIA. But what are some, what's the basic mechanics around this? How does the insurance company kind of do this? If you will? Mm -hmm. Right, right. And to be clear about like the SPIA, you can't create mortality yeah. credits by yourself so you, you can't really recreate a SPIA by yourself. With a fixed index annuity, you can't create the living benefit by yourself because it's about the longevity risk and the risk pooling. But you could create a do-it-yourself fixed index annuity, not for lifetime income, just for the underlying return structure. And the process is, so this is where the principal protection comes into play. You're going to buy enough bonds so that with the interest those bonds pay, at the end of the term, they'll grow to be the value of the principal. So <laughs> let's try to create examples around this. If say interest rates are 5% and I want to, I'm gonna put $100 into the contract. So what I would need to do is buy approximately $95 worth of bonds. It won't be exact, but the 5% interest applied to what I put into the bonds would then grow to be $100 at the end of the term. And if simple math there, if it was about $5 left over after buying enough bonds to protect principal, that $5 is going to be used for two things. Part of that will be to go to the insurance company for that. That's the, the spread aspect. <laughs> They're going to take some internal fees from the remainder. And this is where the idea of, well, if I do this myself, I don't have to pay the insurance company that part. But then the remainder is the options budget that's going to then be used to purchase financial derivatives to provide the upside exposure to the linked market index. So call options would be giving you the, the right but not the obligation to purchase the index at a particular price. And so what a call option does is if I'm going to buy a call option on day one, the index value was 1000 so if I buy a call option with a, at a strike price of 1000 for one year term, one year later, if the index lost value, I would just let the option expire and not do anything. And that's where the bonds protected my principal. I don't get a payout from the call option that I purchased. I have principal protection. But if I bought that call option and the index goes up to 1050 
well, I have the right to purchase the index at a thousand. And how that then works is I'll get that $50 payout or I'm now switching to a thousand. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but I'll get the payout, the additional gain of the uh, index over sure. the strike price from the option. That's my payout. And that's where I get the upside exposure from. So is, I hope that uh, that sounds clear. No, I think Alex. so. I, I, I'm trying to listen in with, with those I those ears, but I'm, you know, I have familiarity with option pricing, so uh, I, I think it sounds clear. We'll we'll wait, we'll await questions. Uh, but also <laughs> keep in mind, we'll have well, a kind of a we'll we'll have a lot of use. We'll have an episode or two where we really start just talk about case studies and, and things like that, just to make it clear, clearer at least. Go on with. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then so there's many different ways this crediting method could also work beyond what we're seeing thus far. But the the more common ones would be either you have some participation rate in the market gains, or you have a cap on the market gains. And the participation rates generally not going to be a hundred percent, just because it would be kind of a coincidence if the price of the option precisely matched the, the amount of the options budget to give you 100% upside exposure. In this example I was saying earlier, okay, so we we put $100 into the contract, interest rates are about 5%, so we're putting about $95 approximately, uh, it'd have to be a bit more than $95 into bonds that grows to provide the principal protection, but from the remaining $5, say, $1.50 goes to the insurance company, $3.50 is left. So we're going to put three, we're going to use $3.50 to buy a call option on the market index. Now, suppose the call option costs $5, or I should maybe use a different number since I already used $5. $4 is the price of the index option. So the participation rate, what percentage of the market gain would I get? It would be that $3.50 divided by the $4. Yeah. And that would be the participation. And, and the call options are very fluid. And, and just why, again, why bonds? Why put the $95 in bonds? Because, you know, you kind of have to get it so that when the term ends, you're going to get all the money back. And so it just depends on whatever interest rates are. You know, we're just using an example. It's 95 bucks. That way, when you're done, you get back full 100 But again, the options pricing is very fluid based on the volatility of the underlying index. For, for this case, usually it could be stocks, but based on the volatility, so based on the up or down price on that, based on what the strike price is that you're in the money for, the current risk-free rate, and, you know, the, the maturity terms. And, the, you know, you can get into a whole Greek alphabet of figuring out, you know, the, the right pricing for this, but it changes. It's not something that's, that's steady. It, it just changes over time. And so it's a little trickier. You know, it's a little tricky to to kind of lock something down, you know, if, if you're thinking I'm going to buy it three months from now, but let me see what the price is right now. That, that'll most likely change. Right, right. And, and you're just talking about the black Scholes yeah, yeah. options pricing formula. That's from the, the Finke <laughs> uh, right, <and laughs> live LinkedIn live that we had. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, look at that. Let's bring it all, bring it back home. Let's take a moment to let the audience know that this show is sponsored by Retirement Researcher. You can learn more about Retirement Researcher at retirementresearcher.com and subscribe to our newsletter where you'll receive weekly actionable information for your retirement planning benefit. Retirement Researcher is an online community devoted to helping you create the retirement income plan geared towards your goals. Right, right, and that's where at each term we need to talk. We need to unpack that a little more about uh, the terms can change each term because of this issue that options pricing changes. Uh, but before getting to that, to just to continue, I think participation rates are less common these days. What you would see more generally is the cap. So, like I was saying in this example, you're not getting 100% participation, but you get that participation no matter how high the the price index was. What you'll generally see is 100% participation up to a cap rate. And what that is, is we need to raise more money. So we're going to sell a call option with a higher strike price, which would then mean if the market grows even more than that, we have to give up any of those additional gains. 
but we would in this example I was giving where we had an options budget of three dollars and fifty cents, uh, the the call option was four dollars. We need to raise another fifty cents. So we'd figure out how high can the cap go where we can <laughs> sell a call option to earn the fifty cents to give us a hundred percent participation up to that cap. And that's how in a, a fixed index annuity with a 0% floor and a cap. And at the time of this recording for a one year uh, F fixed index annuity linked to the S&P 500, you're probably gonna find caps in the ballpark of like 10, 11, 12% in that range. And that's just based on where interest rates are today as well as the uh, Black-Scholes option pricing formula. <laughs> that Alex was talking yeah. about there. Uh, the cost of now, options. Now wait, just to show how, how dynamic these things could be, I'm not expecting you to know this off the top of your head, but this is something that a year ago, or even two years ago, you're talking about you know, 10, 11, 12% was you weren't in that ballpark at all. Right, oh yeah, in 2021, you may be looking, and this is, so getting back to those options, it was really interest rates. Oh like yeah, no, I know why. extremely but, low. Well, yeah, you can see it. It's like, okay, if, if the interest rates are under 1% on like a 10-year treasury, now I have to put like $99 into the bonds to provide the principal protection. There's very little left to provide uh, upside. The, the options budget will be tiny. And so you may have been looking in 2021 at caps of 2 or 3% versus that 10 to 12% today. And that's actually, for an upcoming episode, we're gonna talk about registered index linked annuities. So this can just be a little bit of teaser, but that's why they became so popular a couple years ago. It's, it's because they gave you some downside risk in order to offer more upside exposure since fixed index annuities were not able to offer much in the way yeah, of upside effectively, exposure there, due to the very There was no spread after buying, there was no fuel after buying bonds. So instead right. of pushing <laughs> against a ceiling that was un unmovable, effectively they dug deeper. <laughs> like they allowed losses, you know what I mean, if you will, to give themselves more ammo. Right, right, and, and so that's within, interest rates are gonna be the main driver of all this because they're gonna tell you how much is left over to purchase upside after you protected principal. But then the, the factors that go into pricing the uh, financial derivatives is also important. And, and you listed those, and the most important of those is that implied volatility of the underlying index. The more volatile the index, the more expensive the call option to buy exposure to the upside of that index. And that's why, well, if I can create a low volatility wow. index, maybe I can offer a cap of 18% on that instead of 12% on the S&P 500. And so then when people are looking at the rate sheet of the different options, they see, oh, S&P 500, one-year term, 12% cap. Oh, but this low volatility index, uh, one-year term, 18% cap. I want that Yeah, but you got to got. And so that's... that's I guess you got to be... <laughs> well, yeah, 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 I know, but you got to be tricky, right? <laughs> I mean, all this stuff is still, in my view, efficiently priced. To some extent, someone's taking a bet on the volatility, <laughs> that's still a bet. And so this is where Branislav may be a a good potential guest or, or something like that to, to bring in who knows this inside and out. But the reality is why maybe you'll, you'll do a better job at, you know, elucidating this and I will. But again, if it's high volatility, the option is going to be higher simply because it's a, volatility just means, you know, a, a lot of volatility, but it could be on the upside. It could be on the downside, right? But it's harder to price it. Hence the folks that are selling you the options are going to try to cover themselves. Hence, it's just going to be more expensive. It's going to be more expensive to the degree that they think it's fairly priced. Right, right. And, and this is all based on underlying financial derivatives. So if the uh, everything else being the same in terms of the insurance company taking the same internal <laughs> spread, at, at the end of the day, it shouldn't really make too much difference what index you choose, what crediting method you choose, and so forth, because it's all based on the same underlying pool of financial derivatives. It's just back to that point from earlier. With the S&P 500, pretty much all the fixed index annuity providers offer that one. And so you can compare 
well, company A, the, the cap is 10%. Company B, the cap is 11%. Company C, the cap is 12%. You can more easily make those comparisons where if you have that bespoke uh, proprietary low volatility index provided by insurance company A, you may not really have any way to compare if that's a good deal because no other company is offering that same index. Got you. And wait, just uh, we're 43 minutes in. Uh, how do you feel about, uh, is there another topic to continue in this episode or do you want to take a little respite and continue next week? What do you think? Uh, there's probably just a couple more. Well, it's an idea that you brought up, but to emphasize it again, like two yeah, more yeah, brief yeah. points. And because, um, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, and the first of those, you did mention this, but to emphasize it again, and this is another one of the quote-unquote gotchas used sometime. At, at each renewal of each new term, this process repeats. So I buy the uh, FIA with the one-year term, the point-to-point point with annual reset. The insurance company is telling me the cap right now is 12% because they know that when they buy the financial derivatives, that's what they can do. One year later, this process restarts. They have to purchase enough one-year bonds to protect the principal, and then they have to figure out what's the remaining options budget. Then they have to use that to purchase the new uh, financial derivatives to provide the upside exposure. Because we have no idea what interest rates will be a year from now, and we have no idea what the cost of financial derivatives will be a year from now, they can't tell me what the cap will be for the next year, next term one year later. Uh, they have to wait and see. And that's why the insurance company needs to have the ability to adjust those parameters every term. If interest rates go down and markets become more volatile, that cap could go back down to 3% for the next term. It's it's hard to say in advance what's going to happen. And terms could get better if interest rates go up and if the markets become less volatile, that 10% cap might become 20%. It, it, you just you can't know in advance. And that's the whole idea behind every term. The insurance company needs the right and ability to uh, change the terms based on where markets are. And then that gets into the whole issue of, well, do I want a one-year term? Do I want a three-year term? Do I want a six-year term? If I pick a six-year term, I'll know uh, for the next six years what those parameters are. It will reset after six years, but I'll at least know what I'm looking at for six years. Sometimes people like having that certainty in place for longer as well, the the longer the term, the uh, more expensive. Yeah, so I say they're, they're get, gonna. It's not free. It's they're not gonna. Linear. You're gonna pay for that privilege. But yeah, it, based on how it works, it's not linear. Right, but it, but it's not not linear, and so then you can get more upside potential, and you can even find today in today's environment over 100 percent participation rates on longer term, uh, and that's just with the uh, the way the pricing works where. The options budget is greater than the uh, cost of the financial derivatives. So I might find a six-year term with 110% participation on the S&P 500. That means if the cumul and that's now based on cumulative returns over the six years. Yeah. Or actually, I'm I'm kind of explaining this a little bit wrong. Let's backtrack there. Uh, that would be the total cumulative gain. So if it was 110% quoted as a cumulative gain for that six-year term, I would get the first 110% of the returns from the market over that six-year period, but it would be capped at that level. So if the market was up 200% over the six years, cumulative, I would get 110%. That, that, that's the explanation I should pivot to, to to explain how that works. If it's any solace, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, I, 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 yeah, I, mean, good, I don't good. know. <laughs> No, I wasn't. That, that, that was, I, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, no. Okay. It is just, I, I'm, <laughs> and we brought it back to what that six-year term cap means. It is possible to find participation rates greater than 100%. So what I was saying was correct, just I was applying it to the wrong scenario. But if, if the pricing is right, if the uh, financial derivatives are cheaper than the options budget, it's not impossible to, to see that sort of situation. It would generally require a higher interest rate world, 
but it is something possible. You could get more than the uh, market return because you have a higher participation rate. And then you'd probably choose that over the cap. Uh, you, well, you can really cap it if the, the participation yes. rate is higher than uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and you can tell me if this is for this episode or the next, but you're talking about gotchas. And before, the gotchas, were, to me, weren't really gotchas. They're just internal budget things. Sure, as people can squeeze here and there. But I think this sort of re- the yearly reset, I think to some extent that could be used by insurance companies sometimes just out and out for their benefit other than just the pricing, other than just an options pricing issues. And I think that could signal to consumers who are thinking about purchasing one of these, is this a company you want to purchase one from, right? And, and if, this is, if this extends beyond this episode, that's fine too. But I didn't know. I did. Just wanted to throw that out there. And yeah, I think that's a good point we can finish on. And that's getting back to the issue that these can be complicated. So that due to, to the extent that there's a lack of transparency, it, it's kind of the teaser rate idea. Like the insurance company could market these as having a really high first year. Uh, cap in year one with the intention of we know the terms have to reset, but we don't necessarily know what the fair reset level would be. So in year two, they might take a much larger internal spread and leave much less available for the options budget. And that that's where the um, potential, uh, the way the insurance company could, could take advantage of the customer would come into play. And so it's hard to find the historical renewal terms on different contracts. You could certainly ask for that. Uh, and it may be a little bit of a red flag or at least something to have a, more concern about if the the company's not well, willing to provide any but, sort of ability to look at what were renewal, renewal terms on past contracts so that you could then compare well, this those is something, against. This is something the, I would say an advisor terms. should kind of know, at least anecdotally. I wouldn't imagine a consumer is going to be expert at this. I mean, they're just figuring out the language on what point-to-point interest crediting means, you know, much less the other stuff, right? I mean, that's that's how I would think about that. That's fair. I know we've got plenty of listeners who are developing spreadsheets to price their own fixed index (laughs) annuities, and that's where this uh, comment would be most (laughs) relevant to. But yes, you're right. All right. All right, Wade. Anything else, We'll get ready for part D. No, I think that, yeah, we'll do another episode on fixed index annuities to um, talk about living benefits in particular, but also that'll give us a chance to review some of these key concepts oh. again as well. So it's, a, I think, a good time to wrap Alrighty. up for today, Alex. I hit the old stop button. Thank you, everyone. for We never, we never lose sight that you're taking time out of your day to listen to us, so uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Catch you next week. Wade and Alex are both principals in McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC-registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results.